My name is John Chung, and the title this morning is called David Did Not Use Sling or Stone. Do you believe that? Okay, let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can come together and study your word. I pray that you be with us with your Holy Spirit. Open our hearts and minds to receive your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we're going to read from verses 42 to 45. Okay, do you have it? 1 Samuel chapter 17. Verses 42 to 45. This is a very familiar story, but we're going to look at this from a different angle. Okay? It says, And when the Philistine, who was that Philistine? The Goliath. Looked about and saw David. He disdained him, for he was but a youth, and ruddy and of fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that you come to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. Then... Now listen, look at, look at this verse very carefully, okay? Then David said to Philistine, Thou come to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. But I come to you with sling and stone. Does it say that? What does it say? I come to you in the name of of the Lord of hosts. Why is it so significant? Right. He was, he came. This is, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Okay? And how this is related to um, our daily walk with God. <clears throat> David does not say, I come to you with stone and sling. But he did come with the stone and sling, didn't he? Right? That's what ultimately killed him. But he says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Now, you know, <clears throat> we have ten commandments, right? You know which, for me, the com- um, of the ten, which commandment is most confusing? What is what is the most confusing commandment to you? If you look at all the commandments, ten commandments. For me it's the third commandment. Okay, because if you ask ten people, what does it mean by the third commandment? You know what? You're gonna you're gonna probably get about eight, maybe nine or maybe ten answers, right? I mean it's easy other commandments are pretty straightforward. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. 
no graven images, you know, Sabbath, Dasha you know, kill. All these are very straightforward. But when it comes to the third commandment, I ask other people, what do you, what do you, what do you think third commandment means? They have all different answers. And let's go, let's go to that third commandment, okay? Exodus chapter 20. Verse 7. Here it is. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Okay. What do you think that means? I want to just have, you know, some people say what do you, what do you think it, what it means. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. What does that mean? Anybody? Don't swear, okay? So. Don't Okay, what else? Don't use it unless you're talking to him or them. Okay, what else? I heard and grew up with the one that says that if you're going to take his name as a Christian, then don't uh, abuse it like this one, commandment says. Don't take it in vain. In words, Actually, that's a very close to what I'm thinking about. Okay, let's close with prayer. <laughs> <Not Julia. laughs> that was that was the best explanation I've heard from anybody so far. Thank you so much. But let's go into that a little bit more, okay? First of all, if you study the name of the Lord, okay, in the Bible, you'll see you'll find something very significant. What it can do. First of all, name of the Lord killed a giant, didn't it? It was name of the Lord. So that is an external problem. Do you have any external problems that, you know, beset you, your life? For example, if you have financial problems or, you know, something that's external, right? But through the name of the Lord... Can it, if it can destroy this 12-foot giant, which weighed about 2,000 pounds, do you think God can, by using His name, destroy that? Is there any external problem that you have that God cannot destroy? Okay. Now, if you, if you were to turn to Acts chapter 16, verse 18. Acts chapter 16, verse 18. And it says this. <clears throat> and this same day, and, and, and this did she many days. 
But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit. So Paul is talking to a demon-possessed woman. He said, I command thee, in the what? In the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. So here is a lady who was demon-possessed. Now, you know, we may not be really just obviously demon-possessed, but there are a lot of things that possess us, right? We have addictions. We have some things that our heart tells us to do, you know, that it's not really according to God's will. These are demons that possess us. I mean, if it's TV, you know, should I study the Bible or watch this? You know, what's the, what's the most popular TV show right now? I don't know what it is, because I don't have what. <laughs> whatever, whatever that is. You know, you may choose to watch that more than, you know, study the Bible, right? Or have worship. So, you know, when you look at this, um, we all have some demon that possesses us. But what, how can we destroy that? How can we overcome our addictions? By name of the Lord. Right? Now let's turn to John 20, verse 31. So, we can see that it's our external problems and our internal problems can be taken care of by the name of the Lord. Now if you look at John chapter 20 verse 31, but it says this, But these are written that you, ye may, ye might believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His what? Through His name. So, can His name save us? Absolutely. So, what I'd like to say is, our external problems, our internal problems, or struggles, and our eternal problem, our salvation, can all be dealt with what? Name of the Lord. You see that? Now what does it mean then? It says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. What does that mean by in vain? What's another word for in vain? Okay, let's say I stay up all night studying for a chemistry test. I mean, I don't sleep at all. You know, I'm just like a zombie in the morning, but I'm ready for this test. And you go there and you find out it's biology test. <laughs> you haven't cracked the book in two weeks. What have you done all night? You studied in vain. That is, uselessly. Okay? You see, we just saw that the name of the Lord 
is so powerful. It can do all kinds of things, right? But you have people use his name in vain. That is uselessly. It's kind of like, you know, here you want to start a campfire. What do you do? You just need a little match, right? But let's say you use a an atomic bomb <laughs> to start a campfire. Okay, buddy. By the way, we're gonna start this. <laughs> what have you done with that power? You, you misused it. You used it in vain, uselessly, right? And so, you know, um, we many times use his name in vain. Now let's see, let's see some people who have used his name in vain. Let's turn to Matthew 7.22. If you look at Matthew 7.22, it says this, Many, these are people who are lost at the end, okay? Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in what? In thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. See, did, they, did these people use God's name? When they, did they actually cast out demons? They did, right? They, they did it uselessly. Why? They are workers of iniquity. Because they didn't know God. They didn't have any knowledge of God. You know, everybody else is doing this, so let me try it too, you know. I tell you, you know, um, if you turn to Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. It says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. You know, we have so many Christians walking around. From the outside, they appear to be like Christians, right? They look like Christians. They come to, they keep the Sabbath, they pay tithe. They do all these things. From the outside, they go, yeah, he's a Christian. Man, he cast out demon in God's name. But what are they? They just have the form of godliness, but they have no power. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. Now, I'd like to tell you a story. 
Have you heard of Al Capone? <laughs> okay, um, years ago, Al Capone virtually owned Chicago. He was he was not famous being famous for being a hero, but he was notorious for um, doing all kinds of crime in Chicago, like bootlegging, booze, and prostitution, and to murder and all that. But Al Capone never went to jail. Do you know why? He had a really, really great lawyer. His name was Easy Eddie. Have you heard of him? Yeah, that was his... And this Easy Eddie was so good at legal maneuvering that he could get Al Capone out of anything. Because of that, Al Capone gave Easy Eddie a lots and lots of money. And, and Easy Eddie actually owned a whole block of Chicago by himself. And he had servants, and he had, he had the life. Okay? And you know, he was just... Um, but, you know, in his mind, he knew he was doing something wrong. You know what I mean? We all know. I mean, you're defending somebody who is a murderer, prostitute, you know, into prostitution and all these. And so, you know, the you know, Holy Spirit spoke to his heart. Easy Eddie, even though he was doing all these things, he had one soft spot in his heart. He had a son. And he loved his son. And um, he saw to it that his son got everything that he needed and he desired. Clothes, cars, good education. Nothing was withheld. Price was no object because he had all the money in the world. You know, despite his involvement in crime, Easy had even tried to teach his son right from wrong. But, even though he had all this wealth, there were two things that he could not give his son. They were a good name and a good example. He couldn't pass down a good name. You know, because everybody knew, you know, he was working for Al Capone, right? One day, Easy Eddie reached a difficult decision. Easy Eddie wanted to rectify the wrong he had done. He decided he would go to the authority, authorities to tell the truth about Al Capone and clean up his tarnished name and offer his son some semblance of integrity. To do this, he would have to testify against the mob and he knew that the cost would be great. And he was right. About a year later, his life, Easy Eddie's life, ended in a blaze of gunfire in a lonely Chicago street. 
But in his eyes, he had given his son the greatest gift he had to offer at the greatest price he would ever pay. You know, police removed from his pockets a rosary, a crucifix, a religious medallion, and a poem clipped from a magazine. And he read like this. The poem said, The clock of life is wound but once, and no man has a power to tell just when the hands will stop. At late or early hour. Now is the only time you own, live, love, toil with a will. Place no faith in time, for the clock may soon be still. Only way he could pass on a good name is by living it, living a good name. Not just saying to his son, don't be like daddy, be a good person, right? <laughs> don't do what I do, do what I say. But he paid a price. You know, a lot of times, as Christians, when we want to live the name of Jesus, we will pay a price. Because Satan doesn't like it. I'm going to tell you another story. In World War II, there was, you know, it produced many heroes. And uh, one such man was Lieutenant Commander Butch O'Hare. He was a fighter pilot assigned to the aircraft carrier Lexington in the South Pacific. One day, his entire squadron was sent on a mission. After he was airborne, he looked at his fuel gauge and realized that someone had forgotten to top off his fuel tank. He would not have enough fuel to complete his mission and get back to his ship. His fight, fight leader told him to return to the carrier. Reluctantly, he dropped out of formation and headed back to the fleet. As he was returning to the mothership, he saw something that turned his blood cold. His, a, a squadron of air, a Japanese aircraft were speeding toward, speeding their way toward the American fleet. The American fighters were gone on a sortie, and the fleet was all but defenseless. He couldn't reach his squadron and bring them back in time to save the fleet. Nor could he warn the fleet of the approaching danger. There was only one thing he must do. He must somehow divert these Japanese uh, aircrafts from the fleet. Laying aside all thoughts of personal safety, he dove into the formation of Japanese planes. Wing-mounted 50 calibers blazed as he charged charged in, attacked one surprise enemy plane, then another. Butch wove in and out of the now broken formation and fired at as many planes as possible until all his ammunition was finally spent. Undaunted, he continued the assault. He dove at the planes 
trying to clip a wing or, or tail in hopes of damaging as many enemy planes as possible and rendering them unfit to fly. Finally, the exacerbated Japanese squadron took off in a, an, another direction. Deeply relieved, Butch O'Hare and his tattered fighter limped back to the carrier. Upon arrival, he reported, he reported in and related events surrounding his return. The film from the gun camera mounted on his plane told the tale. It showed the extent of Butch's daring attempt to protect his fleet. He had in fact destroyed five enemy planes. This took place on February 20 of 1942 and for that action Butch became Navy's first ace of World War, III, World War II and the first aviator, naval aviator to win the Congressional Medal of Honor. That's the highest honor you can get. A year later, Butch was killed in an aerial combat at the age of 29. His hometown would not allow the memory of this World War II hero to fade and today, O'Hare Airport in Chicago is named in the tribute to the courage of this great man. So, those two stories that I just told you, what do they have in common? Butch O'Hare was Easy Eddie's son. Why was he willing to give his life for the fleet? Why was he willing to give his life for others? Because he saw the example of his father. Not his words, but his death, his actions. You know, in Revelation 14.1, let's turn to there. Revelation chapter 14, verse 1. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him, an hundred and forty-four thousand. Having, what? Having his father's name written in their foreheads. What did they have? Whose name? Father's name. It's the same name that's found in the third commandment. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord. Father's name. What does that mean by having the Father's name there? What is Father's name? Let's turn to Exodus chapter 34. 
Now look, look at this. These people, 144,000 at the end, who will be saved, will have the Father's name on their forehead. You know what, where your forehead is? That's where your character is. Okay? If you have a stroke on the other parts of the brain, let's say you have a stroke on the back of your, back of your head, you can lose your vision, but your, your character is still intact. Okay? If you have, uh, you know, you can have a stroke where you can't even speak. If you're right-handed, a lot of times on the left side of your brain, you cannot speak, but your character is still in, intact. But, if you have your forehead, the forebrain, removed, you're not the same person. Your character is gone. You're a totally different person. Is you might as well have died because you're not the same person anymore. That's why it says in the forehead. It doesn't say back of the head, name on the back of his head, name on the side of his head, a name on his hand, name on his heart, right? It says name on the forehead. Now look at this. If you look at verse chapter 34 of um, Exodus, verse 5, And 6, verses 5 and 6, it says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. Lord descended and stood with Moses there. And proclaimed what? What does it say? Proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord. The Lord, God, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. What is this talking about? The name of the Lord means it's His character. And the 144,000 will have this character in their forehead. See that? Now, you know, um, do you know what time I'm supposed to end? 9.40, okay. Okay. Um, Let me read something from here. How do you get to know somebody? Do you want do you spend time? Do you want to reflect God's character in your life? Do you? First thing you have to do is get to know who he is, right? How can you reflect somebody's character when you don't even know who that person is? If I say, I want you to be just like... Um, let's say... Um, Paul Smith in Kansas City. Or otherwise, you're going to lose your salvation. <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going to look for this guy, right? <laughs> Go to Kansas City. And let me look at Paul Smith, you know, who this guy is. 
you're going to try to get to know Him and, you know, be like Him, right? You're not going to go, well, let me just look up... Uh, when it when your life is depending on it, you're gonna get to you're gonna go visit him. I bet you, I bet every one of you will go go visit Paul Smith, right? You're not gonna go. Well, let me just think about his name. I wonder what he may be like. You know what I'm saying? It's very important. You have to know, and you know there's something called God's word. Have you heard of it? <laughs> God's word. This is called. The Bible is called the God's Word. This is revelation of who God is. Okay? Now, if you want to have His character, don't you want to know who He is? Right? So is it important to study the Bible? Okay, let me read something from Steps to Christ. God speaks to us in His Word. Here we have in clear lines the revelation of His character. When you study the Bible, try to find what is this passage saying about His character? What is it saying about who God is? Not just read it and just... You know what I mean? It's not a bunch of stories. It's actually revealing who God is. So let me read it again. God speaks to us in His Word, the Bible. Here we have in clearer lines the revelation of His character. That's found in Steps to Christ, page 87. Now... In page 89 of Steps to Christ, it says, As we meditate upon the perfections of the Savior, that is through the Scriptures, we shall desire to be wholly transformed and renewed in the image of His purity. There will be a hungering and thirsting of soul to become like Him whom we adore. The more we, our thoughts are upon Christ, the more we shall speak of Him to others and represent Him to the world. Isn't that beautiful? His Word. We will change. By beholding, we become changed. If you watch TV all the time, you're going to be like that. You know, if you are on computer and playing computer games all the time, you're going to become like that. But as you meditate your word in the God's word, what happens? You're going to be changed into the likeness of His character because this reveals His character. You know, this is the thing. I mean, for me, first thing I do in the morning, I have a prayer, then I have... Bible study. Sometimes it's only, you know, five minutes. Sometimes it's 30 minutes. Sometimes it's longer. But every single morning, we need to do that. Study His Word. 
It would be amazing sometimes what you read that morning will apply to that on the same day. Let me tell you what happened one time. I was in Los Angeles and I went to this... Uh, Los Angeles is very, very busy. Okay? And I went to this mall with my mother-in-law. And, um, there was, you know, there's a... There is all these um, stores and my mother-in-law said, I would like to go to that store. But the thing is, the uh, parking lot was very small. And so, no parking space. But I waited and waited and waited, maybe about five minutes. And there was a lady coming down from one of the stores. And I knew she was leaving. So I was kind of following her, you know. And behind me, there were all these other cars trying to park. So she was coming down. And uh, I saw her go to a parking space. And she was going in. And so I went to that and put my blinkers on. You know, because that's, that's where I'm going to park as soon as she leaves. So she pulls out and she leaves. And then I hear this vroom, vroom, vroom. The guy, the guy behind me went in front of me and parked on that spot. And I said, no wonder there's so much crime and, uh, <laughs> and uh, killing in Los Angeles. And so at that time I was so mad. Not only that, this guy, I mean, that was bad enough. But he, he came out of the car, and he looked at me and my mother-in-law, and he gave this, I shouldn't even do this, but he was doing something with his hand, you know, <laughs> some gesture that was just, made me so mad. <laughs> I felt like at that time, just... My Christianity was gone. And I said, I can actually kill this person. <laughs> I was so angry, you know. But immediately, you know what happened? That morning, I had worship. I had devotion. And it happened that I had studied about Jesus. And how... Um, you know when you know before he died somebody put a bag over his head slapped his face and says prophesize who hit you and they took the bag off and spat on his face and for these people Christ died and you know what was amazing that came to my mind and suddenly, my anger towards this man went away completely. I mean, it was like complete transformation, my attitude. And I felt like, you know, before I, was, I would have been killing him. But now, at that time, I actually prayed for his soul. Why? It was a direct result of the fact that I spent time with God that morning. He will give you the strength. What you need. You know, is the manna. The living manna. 
Give us this day our daily bread. The bread of life. He will give us strength to live a Christian life. But you have to do it every day. Don't skip a day, you know. Oh, I'm this today I'm too busy, I'm late. Even if it's one minute. You know, I, I have a Bible promise book. And I take it with me everywhere I go. You know, and if I have certain problems, I just look through that topic and I read it. You know, it's, it's good to carry some things with you all the time. And a lot of times I take this with me, Steps to Christ. This is one of the best books. You just carry this with you all the time. I mean, anytime you have a chance, you just read it. I mean, you can read this. I must read this, I don't know how many times, but as you do this, you will change. Okay, by beholding you become changed, right? And so, if you want to have the Father's name, the name of the Lord, you should be studying your scriptures every day. You can have victory throughout the day as you study and as you contemplate on it. And when temptations come, go back to what you studied that morning. And sometimes when you don't even, like the, what, what the experience that I had, you know, I wasn't even thinking about the morning devotion, but it just came to me, you know, automatically. And God gave me victory. Instead of killing Him, I was praying, him, praying for Him. And so, it's crucial that we study the Scriptures. Are you willing to study the scriptures every day? If you want to have a victorious life, that's number one thing you have to do. We're going to talk about prayer witnessing in the next other seminar, so I'm going to focus on this today, I mean this morning. And um, you know, as, as you study God's Word, you will change. And if you look at the great men of the Bible... They've always spent time with God. David did not become David and starts fighting Goliath at that moment. There was a time for preparation, right? He, had, he spent time with, the God, with, his, with his God. That's why he knew his God. That's why he said, I am going to kill you not with the sling, but he says, I come to you in the name of the Lord, Goliath. I know I'm only 17 years old, 5 foot 6, and you know, maybe weighing 140 pounds. And I know you are 12 foot tall, 2,000 pounds. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Because my God that's standing behind me is... 2,000 feet tall, and it weighs about 4 million pounds. <laughs> I have no doubt who's going to win this battle. Because it was not his sling. It's not the stone. It was the name of the Lord. Because he had that relationship with God. Same thing with Paul. Same thing with John. Same thing with Daniel 
These people are confident that God will do what He would He said He will do. Why? Because they knew Him. They studied Him. Right? And only that way you can reflect His character. You know, by there are so many people who say, I will never be a Christian. Because, you know, I know some Christians, this guy curses, he lies, he cheats on his taxes, and he doesn't treat people right. I mean, they're, they're right actually. It's better not to call yourself a Christian and act like that and say, well, you know, I'm a Christian, but do all these things. What are you doing? You're using his name in vain. Uselessly. And actually, when you use God's name in vain, you do more harm for the advancement of the gospel than good. Did you know that? Now look at this. You know, um, if let's go back to First Samuel seventeen. First Samuel chapter seventeen. We're going to go to verse twenty three. And 24. You know, here was, Goli- here was Goliath. For 40 days, he came and challenged the Israelites. Did you know that? Day and night. Come and fight me. <laughs> And, um, I mean, you know, Ellen White said he was 12 feet tall. And, you know, 12 feet tall, is, I'm sure he was not a beanpole 12 feet tall. <laughs> he was muscular, huge. Not only that, he, his head, head from head to toe was covered with, with uh, brass. And, um, and he had sword, spear. I mean, there's, I mean, you can't even penetrate this guy. Even if he weren't that big. You know, here, they're looking at him. And look at this. Verse 23. 1 Samuel 17. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. Look at verse 24. And all, how many? All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. If you look at, do you see the difference between these men and David? Their, their attitude? David had no fear. He didn't want to wear, you know, does God need an armor to protect himself? Because <laughs> I don't need any of this. He just goes there, you know. But these men, he says, all of Israel, they were afraid and they fled from him. Now let me ask you something. 
if you were to see, like you know, like in a, you know how in a criminal case they line up people and say, was this the guy? Was this the guy? You know what I mean? Let's say you line up all the Israelite army, and they put, you know, David in the middle of it. Do you think you can, if you've never seen David, you think you can pick out who David was? I don't think so. You know what I mean? I'm sure there be there are a lot of people may look like David, right? You can't. No, let's say he was wearing an outfit. Okay. Now look at this. These Israelite men were they God's people? Were they God's people? Now, if you were to ask him, who's your God? Who would they say? Did they would they say, uh, our God is God of the Son? Would they say that? Who would they say their God was? Creator God, Jehovah. Do you think they kept the Sabbath? Do you think they believed in the state of the dead? <laughs> Do you think they they did all these things? Do you think they all claim that if you, if you ask him, do you think God can? you know, heal your disease, what, would you think, what do you think they will say? Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> they knew in theory, right? And they all looked the same. Did David have monopoly on God's power? Any one of them could have been David. Right? All of us could be David. But when I see most Christians, they are like this man. Are you an Adventist? Yes. Do you keep the Sabbath? Yes. Do you believe God can take care of your problems? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, you have this illness? Do you think God can take care of that problem? Oh, yeah, of course. Do you think God, I mean, you have this huge problem. Do you think God can take care of that? Of course, you'll say, right? All the, if you look at, ask all the Adventists, they'll say yes. But do you know why they have no confidence in actually carrying out that belief? Because they don't have His character. They don't have His name and His forehead on, your fo- on the forehead. They don't have. They don't know who God is. John seventeen, verse three says, "This is life eternal. That you may know you the true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent." That's the only way we can really know God. Is spending time with God. It was only after. David spent time with God in nature. Have experience, experienced him. He was able to kill the giant. It was only after Moses spent 40 years in the desert learning about God. Then God said, you're now ready to be used. We use God's name in vain all the time. 
Because we say we are Christians, but we don't reflect His character. And when we don't reflect His character, when we don't have His character in our hearts, in our minds, in our forebrains, you know what, we have no confidence to overcome the enemy. So, it's very, very important that we study His Word every single day. Not once a week when you come to church. Not once a year when you come to SEYC. <laughs> you know, it has to be done how often? Every day. And we become changed. And we gain confidence. We know what this God can do. It's not by theory only, but in practice. So, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord. Then the name of the Lord can do what? It can kill the giant, which is our external problems. Name of the Lord was used to, to cast out demons, which is our internal demons that possesses us, right? And also, name of the Lord gives us salvation. Our external, internal, and eternal, every single problem can be solved by the name of the Lord. It's not just by saying, but by actually doing. At the, at the end time, all these people will say, you know, I've done all these things, but they have no character of Christ. You understand? So, third commandment actually is the most powerful commandment if you use it right. Don't go around saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, unless you're willing to reflect the character of Christ, live according to His will. Well, I think we're supposed to end at 9.40, right? It's 9.40. So let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your name. But more importantly than that, help us to transfer your name into our brains, into our forebrains, to make us into likeness of You, reflective character, and live this life as You would live. Help us to not use Your name in vain, uselessly, and actually do more harm than good. Help us every day to study Your Word, no matter how busy we are, help us every single day to study your word and reflect your character. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.